FASWA is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit saswhat.com. This is Saswa, a show about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined tonight by my pal, stretching away, Mark Matsky. <laughs> Greetings from Northeast Ohio, where every Saturday and Sunday night on 97.1 FM, Bigfoot grabs his sea crane radio and listens to Sasswat, a show about Bigfoot. Yes. Thank you for the plug for 97.1 which occasionally I forget that we are airing on. <laughs> uh, so uh, tonight we're joined by our pal, Shannon Ligro. Um, Shannon, say hi. Hello. And Shannon, of course, has been on the show a bunch over the years. We've done over the year, and almost two years. We're coming up on two years. Yes. Um, <clears throat> in that time, we've done all kind of like episodes about various topics and and something i've always said to shannon is that we've never done a sh- of saswa wherein we just sit down and get shannon's views on big footery so that's this episode and i don't know where this is going to go shannon and i are th- this is a little peek behind the, uh, the curtain but shannon and i are in an ongoing conversation with our pal clint from us everything going on and i'm it's not quite like it as it sounds, but <laughs> I do have some some uh, views on uh, the way Shannon looks at the world, which is probably unique to her and unique to me and unique to Clint. So I think it's interesting to get together and talk about this. I don't know if things will go as in-depth as as we can get when we're Bigfoot uh, yeah. off air because we, you know, we make enemies when we do some of these things. But um, tonight we're we're just gonna hash it out. We're gonna talk about everything. Yeah, if there was any screenshots taken of our conversation between you and me and Clint, we we might be in a little hot water with some people. But that's mm-hmm. that's the world of Bigfoot. It it really is it really a big is. tub of hot water, and you just try to avoid dipping your toe in there. Murky, murky, mm, so disgusting, murky. hot, stinky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so tonight we're gonna just talk. And uh, how are, first of all, Mark, how how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Yes, hi, Mark. It's, things are crazy, actually. Um, oh, yeah? They are. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a uh, brand new situation for me, and the learning curve gets steeper the longer you're around of adapting to new surroundings, but it's it's working, hmm. doing well. I've done, I've been able to manage uh, some reading here and there so we can uh, maybe bring some of that into a future episode but uh, the book monster trek and uh tom powell's new one i'm working on right now so i didn't, I didn't even realize he had a new one that was out yeah why don't it, i see anyone talking about it um because he goes out on the clothesline so to speak he, so he's not a, a Facebooker out. and a, a Twitter person. Like he's not a real social media person. I'm I'm the same way. I didn't no, even know he had I've, another book out. I've I don't think he's on social media very much. Mm. Uh, he did surface on the most recent Finding Bigfoot. I don't know if you happened across that. Oh well, yeah. that'll help the book sales. I'm sure. Never mind yeah. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. But um, um, yeah, Monster Trek is, is pretty the cool, title. right? Yeah, it is very, it's very good. Um, yeah, we can talk about it if you want to. It's good. It's got, the thing that you would like in light of what you were just talking about is uh, it really focuses on those searching for the Squatch instead of the creature itself. So it's it's sort of written over the course of, sounds like me, at least five years, and he goes out with, Different people, some that you would find very familiar and others not so much. But he's more interested in the the person to go out 
searching. That sounds so good. It, yeah, and you're reading so far. What is his take on the whole thing? Well, you know what? The thing that I really uh, have appreciated about this book is that he keeps tying it into a quest for religious faith, and he holds these two things side by side, which I find very intriguing. And he's coming at the standpoint personally that if he can prove or just have an encounter with Bigfoot that is um, kind of, you know, there would be no other explanation for what he saw but that he saw Bigfoot, then that would also enable him to believe in other things that he cannot see. Hmm. And there's a real struggle for him. And he's not saying that that's the case for everybody, but it's it's, it's a very personal book in that regard. Man. Uh, I don't know yeah. what I think of that. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, it sounds I, pretty deep. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to read this. It is, yeah. and it it's deep, but it's also hilarious. I mean, he's the type of writer that is very, he discloses everything about himself. So, cool. you know, not a lot of people do that, so that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's it makes it, you know, I may have made it sound real highfalutin, but it's not. I mean, he intersperses the the deep spiritual and philosophical stuff with just, you know, um describing what it feels to be scared out of your wits in a yeah. in a tent and, you know, just it, it very funny at parts and also puts the spotlight on folks like Moneymaker and mm-hmm. You know, talks about a expedition that he went on with the BFRO and how he was asked to never come back after <laughs> really? the first oh. one. Yeah, yeah. My. So it, you know, it, it's a really it. You know, for me, there's really two types of books: ones that you read and you sort of set down and say, "Well, I'll finish that sometime." And then there's books that you start reading and you just can't. Right. You're compelled to finish it. And for me, that Monster Trek was that type of book where what's, I was just trying to figure out ways to finish it up. What's this guy's name again? You get it? I have it right here. It's uh, Joe Gizondi. Okay. G-I-S-O-N-D-I. And this is like, why? I mean, why was he forbidden to come back to the BFRO? I think because he would, well, he uh, is a journalist by trade, and he teaches journalism, I believe, at University of Nebraska, although I may be wrong on that. But he's coming at his work from the standpoint that I'm going to report what I see, and I think he faced some pressure to um, clear what he write, you know, based on his experience. That sounds about right, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, and he refused to. So I think that's that's, that's the heart of it. He just wouldn't do it. I kind of like this guy, and I don't know anything about the book. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, my my guest tonight, the the show that, of course, we're recording on a Thursday, so my show will air in an hour and a half. The guest that I had on admitted to speaking briefly with the BFRO about his encounter, which he hadn't shared with really anyone, and said he he truly disliked the experience. So mm. that kind of, yeah. I've heard the same thing in the last week about the BFRO myself. We're heading, we're heading into murky waters already. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> way more than a toe in, I'll tell you that. Um, so, so Shannon, uh, have we talked before, and Mark can, can probably tell me if, if we have, have we talked about, like, straight up, what got you into Bigfoot in the first place? Like, did you have an encounter as a, as a child? Did you gift a Bigfoot. Like I a, love gifting, but just not to not to Sasquatch. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like <laughs> okay. I bought Valentine's Day gifts for my daughter, but I don't. I don't know about gifting to Sasquatch. Um, I don't know if we covered that. Uh, in I don't think our so. previous experience. I mean, see, like every time you've come on the show, I feel like it turned out to be like we we just did a themed episode and you were with us, which was great. I do that any day. Yeah, but I kind of want to know what what got you into the subject to begin with. What's really sad is I don't have an origin story for Sasquatch. So I, like yeah, I, I don't even remember the first time I listened to a podcast or the first time I read a book, and it was like, yes, Sasquatch, boom, that's where I'm going. I just know I've been looking into it for oh, almost eight years now, or possibly more. I don't even know how long, and I don't even have an origin story. It's very sad. When did you first like start 
I mean, because I know you've gone out, like you've gone to Kentucky and mm-hmm. you've gone down to Texas. So you've, you take it seriously. So like, w- when did that type of stuff start? When did you realize, oh my God, I'm actually, I'm actually going out looking for Bigfoot? Well, of course, the, the origin to that is easy to pinpoint because of Sasquatch Chronicles. So mm-hmm. once I got involved with them, we were able to go up to Washington State to the Brown property. And they're wonderful people, good friends of mine. We had interesting experiences out there, didn't see a Sasquatch. Went out to Texas with Wes and the gang, same thing. Interesting experiences, didn't see a Sasquatch. And then I went with Ramona Bell, who was one of the previous co-hosts, if you will, on Sasquatch Chronicles prior to me. And interesting experiences, but didn't see a Sasquatch. So a lot of wonderful trips and met cool people. And heard weird sounds, but no Sasquatch sighting. So, so, do you do you believe? Oh, such a deep question. I know. Just and a we've, few words. we've had this talk. I just yeah. I, I want you to say it on air. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate that because I ask the same thing of those that have not actually seen it. I, my most honest answer is it depends on the week. Um, I think that I get a little jaded and not angry. Angry is a bad word. Maybe it isn't. Uh, maybe it's a perfect word. But I have weeks where I'm just, somebody better show me something better than this video or this picture that they're claiming that they can see this blob squatch behind these trees. And I get sick and tired of looking at that stuff. And I go, you know what? I'm so tired of Sasquatch. I could just... I, I could just never speak the word again. And then mm. other weeks I get I get pretty jazzed up and I'm like, you know what, yeah, that's a really good story or that's some pretty good evidence and maybe they really are out there. And now I'm in Nevada. By the way, I miss you guys. I miss being in Ohio and within driving distance of my friends, by yeah. the way. Um, but considering what I've heard while I've been out, it's enough to keep me going. I think believe is a strong word, but is there a possibility? Yes, I do think there's a possibility that they're out there, and that keeps me going. So, like you said, when you get discouraged or whatever, what is that what brings you back? Is like hearing a cool story, or is it? Say for me, it's like this weird, like it's almost just like mood, like like when the weather gets warm, and I can go out for myself, I start getting in the mood. To uh-huh. to study yeah. Bigfoot again, like during the height of winter, I <laughs> am really not that into it. Yeah, you're like I don't even want to go out. Why would these fools want to go out yeah. in this stuff? Yeah. Fur or not? <clears throat> yeah. So what? I mean, what what brings you back? Is it just the sighting stories? Yeah, it's just like you said. If I will record another episode of Into the Fray, and I'm like, oh man, how how can this guy spend this much time on this story and he's got these nice long pregnant pauses that are perfect and you can tell he's nervous and yeah, that, those are the things that draw me back in. Uh, it's not the videos that I see on Facebook or, you know, a lady will post to the group page of something very odd and I just have to go, oh God, I... I need to step away from Facebook for the day because this is just insane what they're saying they can see in these photos. I'm like, where's my red circle? Um, but it's when I talk to, to people and they either they're incredible actors and they need to move to Hollywood or they really saw what they are saying that they saw and it affected them. And why are they wanting to say that they've never told anyone this? It's never been in print. It's never been told on another show, but they want to tell me. So what? that's what draws me back in. So you've been on, like, you have your own show now, Into the Fray, which I don't know if I mentioned early on. In fact, I don't know if I gave you a proper introduction at all because I was just kind of jumping in. But um, uh, you've done Into the Fray, you've done Sasquatch Chronicles, you did Show Notes, which I was on back in the day. Yes. Um, what is, like, one of the most intriguing stories you've heard? Well, my favorite mystery would be, besides Sasquatch, besides the whole large Sasquatch subject, I would say Missing 411. Mm-hmm. I love talking to David Polites. I know he's a very uh, controversial mm-hmm. figure 
in and of himself, but that was my favorite one. Uh, favorite encounter story, I would have to say, would be when I spoke to David. And I can't divulge the location that happened in, but it was when he went into an area that his mentor, his Sasquatch mentor, if you will, told him not to go into. He said, he drew a circle on a map. He said, you're not going to go into this area. You just, you don't want to do it. That's their, that's their place. You don't go there. Well, he went there. Not only did he go there, but he lied to his wife, said he was going on a business trip and went there alone. So he's there and it gets dark enough to where he sits down and he says, oh, I'm a little tired. I'm going to take a little nap. And he wakes up to screaming um, what he thinks is within yards or feet or however far. That's what his mind is telling him. And he says, there's there's at least three or four Sasquatch and they're screaming at me. And uh, they want me out of their area. And he ended up crawling out of there on all fours and ran back to his car once he felt like he was in a place he could do that. So I think that was one of my favorite encounter stories that was told on Into the Fray. Wow. Um, well, you and I got to hear Pilates and Mark. We all got to experience Pilates down at the Baroque conference. So, mm-hmm. like, Pilates is weird for, for us, for me especially, because I, I don't get it. Um, I like I like him. I like him. You you know, you know that I like Pilates a lot. I think he's a very charismatic dude, um, very intelligent, which I am. am you know, I like that because sometimes people that are into this stuff aren't as intelligent that speak yeah. it, and you get a lot of mumbo jumbo coming at you. But Pilates has an intelligence to him when he speaks and and all that. But um, when we saw him, something that surprised me was like he was talking about how. Um, he doesn't attribute this stuff to Bigfoot. Like he doesn't attribute, he doesn't necessarily attribute the missing 411 cases to Bigfoot. But when you go on his Facebook page, it's like this endless stream of people talking about how Bigfoot's taking people. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, and like, he has his own book on Bigfoot. Right. So you're like, how does it not tie in at all? Like you can't just say it doesn't tie in 0%. Right. That there is no chance of it. Yeah, I agree. I'm just like fascinated by the psychology, though, of like the people who who want it to be a Bigfoot that's taking people, and who <clears> almost <throat> look at missing four one one as like definitive proof that, that like Patty, like the, the Patty's like running into camps at night and stealing people away. Yeah, I mean, how else are they going to get all that protein? Like, right. who wants to chase deer? We're a lot slower than deer. It's a leg bone. A lot easier to catch, yeah. Yeah, Mark, what was your take on that whole thing with, with well, him? Yeah, it's it's weird because, you know, his Bigfoot books came first, and they were very, very good. I mean, especially the Hoopa Project was awesome with the illustration that uh, uh, was, a, he had like a comic book name almost, like Harvey Dent or something. But anyway, he... <laughs> Oh, that's Clark Kent. Clark Kent? Yeah. yeah. Changes Allen. in the phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> Barry <laughs> Allen. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was a great, like, two great Bigfoot books, that and Tribal Bigfoot. And then he started with the uh, 411. And at first, and when he would be on coast with George Knapp, it seemed almost like a slam dunk that he was, you know, inferring that Bigfoot was the cause for these things. And then as he started to produce more books and the more appearances that he made, um, he started to give the impression that it wasn't Bigfoot. And then it's mm-hmm. to the point, like at the presentation we made, um, he was essentially very clearly stating that he didn't think it was Bigfoot at all. So I don't know. I mean, part of the mystery is, is that his own personal journey like at first he thought it might be bigfoot and then he came to the realization himself that it wasn't or you know is he so wise um as to just play his cards close to the vest and let people sort of struggle with the mystery because that you know in in a very cynical way and i don't think that he's doing this but if he was trying to you know, keep the interest going. He's doing uh, an excellent job of it because he's not showing his cards as mm-hmm. much, you know, at least publicly 
I haven't read the books in depth, but I don't think he he ever really says, here's what I think it is. In fact, on record, he's said, I, I don't know what it is. Well, I mean, when we were there, he said he also made the statement that he didn't think it was UFOs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I, I don't know if I've read this or heard this, but the majority of people that have heard him speak, whether it was on coast to coast or in person or wherever, the number one reason that people give for these folks going missing is is aliens. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that he has uh, mirrored as far as I know. But, you know, maybe that many people have said, well, of course it's in the woods. Of course it's Bigfoot, that he has to combat that so hard that that's just something he has to keep hammering and hammering and hammering because... I don't know. I don't. I maybe that is the automatic assumption of everyone is this Bigfoot. But according to what I've heard, most of the listeners think it's it is aliens. Yeah. And am I right? Is he also uh, with Mufon? Yes. He, doesn't he? Yeah. Didn't I don't know if he's a member of Mufon, but he did say he contributes. He takes to the, reports to the yeah. journal. Well, didn't right. Fred Saluga and him get in a little? Back and forth when we were there. <laughs> remember yes. that? I, re- yes. I, I recall hearing something. I don't remember yeah. what happened. I don't even know if I was in there for that. I don't. Oh, maybe it was just before, just after yeah. you you guys were presenting. But I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm sure Mark remembers. But I, Fred it was. Fred was just trying. Wasn't he trying things. to get him to make a definitive statement? <laughs> Yeah, I think and, he was kind of hinting that, well, you know, I try to write things for MUFON and they don't publish things. And David said, well, you know, if I write something for MUFON, I don't really have a problem getting it published. That's, mm-hmm. I yeah. remember that being said. Yeah. I just, I I'm, I wonder, like, how long he'll he'll kind of, if he is holding cards to the vest, how long he would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what, what would be the root cause of it? I mean, to me. To be honest, at some point, he's he's going to have to come up with like a theory or give some sort of theory on, you know, what what he thinks is behind it. But when you start doing stuff like his latest book is about like disappearances in major cities and stuff, and mm-hmm. people are like, I saw someone post online the other day that like this is all Bigfoot, and the, the someone commented <laughs> like, after like whoopsie, yeah, someone commented after them and was like, wait, you're telling me like Bigfoot's going into a club and. <laughs> Bigfoot loves Chicago. Come on, guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love Chicago, so does Bigfoot. This is what yeah. I can say about Pilates is this past year there was nothing going on in the Bigfoot community. Like our our year end review show was basically like the NAWAC and the the Watchtower Project monographed and then uh nothing. Like there there yeah. just was nothing. But he had his Kickstarter raise like over a hundred thousand dollars and his mm-hmm. audience just continues to grow. Which yeah. is kind of crazy to watch. So if at, at least like he's there's something going on other than you know another season of Finding Bigfoot and the BFRO banning people from joining them on expeditions. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a whole other show, right? Yeah. So so Shannon, you were in Ohio a lot, and you you because you lived here, but and you got to go down to uh, Salt Fork a few times. Any interesting mm. like uh, Bigfooty things happened to you down there? Yeah, one of the most interesting things I've ever heard in my life happened there. I was at the primitive camp, which is called Bigfoot Ridge, as you guys know. It was in um, primitive camp five, spot four, and that's where I always like to go. And um, it's there's a ravine surrounding it, and then the lake behind it, plus the horse trails to the left, if you're facing the lake. Mm-hmm. And... We had met a man that said he had seen two Sasquatch, from what he could tell, was a male and a female, because one was massive and the other one was quite small for a Sasquatch, more demure, if you will. And this is a guy that you could tell he didn't have a lot of money, but what he did was he saved and saved and saved for months after the sighting. He bought a $4,000 pair of night vision goggles, and you can't tell me that this guy didn't see something if he went out and bought this freaking pair of night vision goggles for $4,000. It wasn't like he was driving some really nice car. Or, uh, he he lived 400 miles away, and he would come out as much as he could to Salt Fork because he saw these two creatures. And... 
we ended up meeting him, figured out we were both there for a big foot. Uh, that's another long story, kind of funny, but <laughs> um, he was saying he was studying animal migration patterns. And I go, oh, you're here for Bigfoot? So there's a long story <laughs> short. So there, there was a light bulb moment right there, animal migration patterns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, super nice guy. Anyhow, he takes us out the first night right to where he said he saw these creatures. And it was pretty much right behind our campsite. And he, speaking of finding Bigfoot, this reminds me of finding Bigfoot when I tell this every single time. And then when I relive it, he cracked a glow stick, standard glow stick that you buy at Halloween, stick in your, your pumpkin for the candy. He ties it to a string and we commence swinging this thing around and it makes a nice light show plus it like crocodile dundee it's making this nice whirring sound right so we're doing this for about an hour or so and nothing's happening and we'll swing it around we'll take turns and we'll sit and we'll listen really quiet and there's no wind and it's late at night it's midnight one o'clock and after about an hour and a half well something had come in because uh, ground level, I had just got done swinging this thing. It was one of my turns. And something, I can't even emulate this if I tried probably, but it was a very loud monotone whistle. And it was no more than 15 or 20 feet in the brush at ground level, mind you. And it was just once. And the the way I like to describe it is a the most messed up bird that you can think of making a whistle. I'm like, this is the drunkest, most retarded bird I've ever heard in my life. And that's what it sounded like, uh, is something trying to sound like a bird. But it was so loud, incredibly loud. And I've never heard any. I've been in the woods a lot. I used to go to Utah a lot when I was a kid. Um, I've never heard anything like this. And I went from standing to crouching really quickly because I was like, what is this thing? And that was it. It was one whistle. And um, I heard nothing go in. We heard nothing go out. Um, So that's the whistle story. But it's hard to describe. It doesn't sound very dramatic. But I I wish I had a recorder running. We didn't. But if you guys were there, you'd be like, what in the world was that? And the funny thing is, the next day, we're walking around. And we heard a bird, a real bird this time. And I go... Well, gee, that sounds kind of like the whistle that we heard last night. So it was, it was almost like it was trying to simulate that bird, but not very well. Hmm. But you can tell it was something that, if I could say, and I know it sounds kind of nuts, especially since, you know, the three of us haven't seen the Sasquatch, but it seemed like something that had lips, that could purse its lips, you know, hmm. and it did this whistle. But it was messed up. Money and uh, could have been him. <laughs> He's like a glow stick. He's it's cr- totally my he's show. Cr- he's crouched in the bushes right outside. <laughs> he's of like, here. wait, where's my disco ball? Yeah. Did yeah. you say the volume was was loud? Like, Very was that loud. a feature of it? Yeah. See, that's. I think a lot of times in these encounters, it's the volume or the the resonance of the sound that really bothers people. You know, yeah. it's what grabs your attention. I remember mm. saying in another interview that I was like, the set of lungs on this thing, it was no bird. I knew that. And if that was a person, I'm like, this This is the area of Salt Fork that is, if you go off trail, full of thorn bushes. And I mean like mean ones that will snag your clothes and rip your skin through your clothes. I We didn't hear anybody come in. We had been in the same spot for an hour and a half. And That's- it was quiet. That's like par for the course for Salt Fork is the yeah. undergrowth is is yes. insane in some spots. Like that's the Remember first... our great trek? Yeah. That's <laughs> that's, that's So just... yeah, what are you guys' experiences out there, if any, or what were your impressions of the area? The only uh, oh, I'm trying to think, because 'cause I've only been there twice and the or not only been there twice but i've only really hiked there twice and the first time i was with nathan and it was before i was in the world of bigfoot and it was back when things were just fun and you're out and um it was kind of nice to be honest but nathan and i were down there and we wandered around and the only thing that happened that day is we got horribly lost like horribly lost and my phone died so we're back we're back in the middle of nowhere i had no clue where we were 
and we were lost for probably two hours. Um, <clears throat> so that, Where were you guys hiking, if you don't mind me asking? We started by... That's a good question. I'm trying to remember. We started trying to head toward Hosack's Cave, but but now that I know where Hosack's Cave actually is, we were not in the right area at all. We were... I want to say we were actually kind of close to where Mark and I were, but we went in a different direction. And um, yeah, we got... That was the Stonehouse yeah. Trail. Yeah, and I think I think Nathan and I actually did hike by the stone house, but we went way beyond where we went when we were there. So, mm-hmm. um, but that that was the first time. Second time I was with Mark and the fam, and the only thing that happened that day that I thought was odd was we we caught this weird like smell, this like phantom smell. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Market? Like, yeah, I do. It was bizarre. It was probably well, it Andy just farting. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. Like I'm a grown kid. <laughs> Uh, punking us. No, but <laughs> there was this r- weird like smell that would come and go uh, at one point, like on the way back through. But can you, you know, describe said smell, sir? Um, I I don't remember. Mark, do you remember? Like, it wasn't. It you know like usually I know I could be like it was. It smelled like dead fish or something, but it wasn't right. like that. It was like. If I remember right, it was a really rank, like, stench. Like, yeah, like, it was like garbage. Yeah. Like a garbage can had been tipped over yes. in the woods. Yes. Which is odd, because why would it come and then just go and be gone? Right. It's yeah. just strange. So, yeah. that, so that was my only experience that I thought was some, some somewhat odd. I'm really, I'm not, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I think there's so many people in Salt Fork looking for mm-hmm. Bigfoots and hitting trees and stuff that... You know, and then and then you got to also deal with people who are territorial down there. Like people consider Salt Fork their squatching grounds or whatever. Yeah. So, so like you're not allowed to put out your own findings from the area, or you're dealing with other people that consider it their stomping grounds, and it's just silly. You're like, they're like, this is where my property ends, and yours, yours doesn't even begin anywhere because it's mine. Yeah, it's I just. That part of it has always bothered me. But Mar- I think Mark's been down there probably way more than I have. Yeah. Yeah, Andy and I have been out there a lot. And I, it's hard to say. I mean, we've we've had uh, Andy especially. And I don't know if this is just the suggestibility of a kid, you know, who would, has sort of a love-hate relationship with the idea of actually seeing a Bigfoot in the wild. Uh, but he's had... A couple weird things happened to him. Uh, one, he's had sensations of being watched. And then one time, he started to get sick out on a hike. He didn't feel good at all. And he had felt fine going in. And then on the way home, he really didn't feel good in the back seat of my car. But, um, oh, boy. Yeah. Aww. So, you know, uh, he, I think if he wanted to go in that direction... If he was of a mind to, uh, you know, spin a Bigfoot tail, he could say that he got zapped that day. Um, but no, I mean, nothing really. I mean, did it come up. up on him like really suddenly or what? Yes. Really? Yeah, it did. It hmm. did. So who knows? And, uh, you know, up by Hozak's cave, we found uh, indistinct impressions in the mud. Um could very well have been uh, from the horse trail, you know. Mm-hmm. But but you can really get into the psychology of the whole thing too when you are at Salt Fork, yep, where everything becomes Sasquatch sign, and it's you can start to understand things in maybe a, a new light, you know, when you have so many. Uh, reports of things coming out of there, uh, you know, and that that doesn't explain a sighting of an actual creature, but it, people go, you know, I, I, something in a lot of the reading that I've been done doing lately has to do with, you know, you go out looking for stuff and you find what you want to find. It's very easy to take something and like all those pictures, Shannon, you were talking about with the yeah. blurs and the circles and, uh, you can maybe make things more than they are. and Yeah, and sorry not to interrupt you, but no, before no, I lose ahead. the thought, and piggybacking off what you just said, I read something the other day, and I don't even remember where it was, but they said, well, you know, of course Sasquatch is 
a real thing now because it's been talked about and thought about and storied and written about for however many years and we've created it it is a thought form of course it's real now like what is what is you guys' thought process on that like it wasn't real but we made it real like is this the idea that you can like give give life to like an idea like um yeah thought form is okay so thought so you're talking like see i've never understood that though is are they saying that there is a physical reality to the creature if it for, based on like people's ideas of the now story. that that is a gray area also for me because the man that wrote the book I don't know the man's name but the man that wrote the book about uh, the character the shadow he wrote in the same house about the shadow for uh, almost fifty years so he's you know he's sitting at a desk and he's writing and he's thinking about this character that he's writing about and he's putting it down on paper and. He's living it, and it's probably part of him after that many years. Well, the next, he passes away. The next people that own the house, they see what they call a specter, a ghost, a phantom of a man in a black hat, a long black cape, and it is it is a phantom in their house. And that is the exact description of the shadow, of what the man was writing for up to 50 years in this house. So it begs the question, is that something that can happen? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've I've always been fad by the idea of like a thought form because I remember as a kid when I heard about ghosts, I used to think, and this is like this, we're, we're so far away. From, we're getting so far away yeah, from we are. here. <laughs> and people are going to think I'm a total nut job now. <laughs> but like when I was a kid, I can remember thinking about ghosts because there was a cemetery near our house and sometimes I'd walk through it. And I was like, um, I can remember postulating to my sisters that possibly somehow there's like a memory connected to the earth and the earth has this memory like built in and that's what a ghost is it's like a a spectral remnant of a historical thing like something that actually was once there that isn't actually there but you're just seeing some sort of memory like a fingerprint um that's the most ridiculous thing i've ever said on the show people are gonna be (laughs) tuning me out i don't blame them listen i was like 12 my fault blame Uh, it on me no i went uh, there blame it on me but like i Uh, think it does kind of play into bigfoot in a way if you want it to like if that is a if that would be if not necessarily what i just said but if there is something to the idea of giving at the very least a psychological life to a to Mm -hmm. a thought um, I know there's a comic book writer who uh, named Grant Morrison who does a lot of playing around with this idea. Like, of course, he's also dropping acid and stuff when he's writing, but he's he's a great writer and he's talked about. Does <laughs> help, you know. He's talked about this stuff a lot, like the idea that that characters take on a life of their own, like they they do become almost physical in a way. Or, so I want to know when am I going to see Superman yeah, in his well, full on tights? I, I would like that. Can see, I make that happen? You, what you just said though, <laughs> is my problem with this idea. People don't yeah. see Superman and Batman walking. They don't see Batman walking along rooftops. And I would, I would, you know, wager that Batman is a much more popular character. Yeah, that's a cult phenomena. Yeah. Then like, where's my Michael Keaton? So, but, but I think that, that idea right there kind of shoots down the idea of a thought right. form creature taking any sort of life. I definitely agree with beca- that. Because otherwise we'd be, be taking reports of like people seeing Mickey Mouse in like Asia and stuff, you know, like it just doesn't, I don't think it carries weight. Yeah. But Mark, what? Well, at the least, I think that we can say there's at least two, maybe three generations now uh, of people who go out in the woods and they don't immediately discount the fact and they may even be trying to go out to see Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's not the same as the Tulpa thought form idea necessarily, but there's at least this expectation that it's a real thing that I could potentially run across. And if I find an impression in the ground or a broken tree or things arranged in a certain way out in the woods that, the most likely ex- explanation is Bigfoot. You know, so you sort of jump to that first. So it does create, if not a real entity, it creates the expectation in our minds that well, it could be that. And that that's just different than, totally. you know, it's, it's kind of, 
yeah. wild because that you know I mean think of the kids that you know who are into Bigfoot they're you don't you ask them do they believe and it's like yeah I do I'm just waiting to see one yeah, yeah. I mean my my nephews see Bigfoot all the time like I've been told I don't know how many times mm-hmm. by, <laughs> by both of my nephews that they've seen or heard of Bigfoot and they go you know like. My one nephew has a gorilla costume and he goes running around their house like acting like he is Bigfoot now. Um, so like they're they're out there actively looking for Bigfoot all the time and they're constantly hearing and seeing things. Um, but it is it's it's to me, I find that entire thing really, really fascinating. Like, I think you could probably discount a good amount of sightings to what amounts to like a hyperactive imagination, like hyperactive, like when you're, Mm -hmm. when you were literally experiencing something you've, you know, you want to experience psychologically. Now, again, like I'm not discounting everyone's, everyone's sighting report as like some sort of mass hallucination or, or just a hallucination in general. That's not at all what I'm saying. Cause I've always made it very clear. That's not at all what I think is, is going on. I don't think you can chalk up, I, this is what I always say. I don't think you can chalk up one thing to the the Bigfoot phenomenon. It's either there's 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 either like a real Bigfoot or it's like a thousand explanations. Like there's there's like misidentification and right, which is stuff terrifying. And, yeah, or 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 like you go down the paranormal route and then you might as well just forget it because it's never going to be solved either way. Then. I, I have a question for you guys. How disappointed would you be? Because I already know my answer. If you're in the forest and you know, you're hiking and you're doing your thing and heck, maybe Bigfoot's not even on your mind, even though we do what we do. You look over, you see a Bigfoot, it disappears into a ball light or it just shrinks back <laughs> into what you would you would enumerate as a portal. How would you feel? What would happen at that point? Would you just hang it up or would you go, well, I guess I'm part of the, I hate to use this word because it's, it's almost um, pop culture and Bigfoot now, but woo, you know, you'd be part of the woo crowd. I I would just um I think I would know the answer to the phenomenon at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like I would just be, be so ta- bummed out. I'm ta- yeah, I don't know that I'd be bummed out. I don't think it would it would uh because I don't have to believe it's it's flesh and blood or whatever. You know, like I think I think that's where the evidence points. But So if, I guess at least you yeah. would see it, right? Like yeah, at least if I saw if I saw it and and you know, it shrunk into a portal and get, also like a lot of this has to do with my own spiritual beliefs like like mm-hmm. you know, you can say religious if you want or whatever. I would probably have a pretty good idea of what I believed was going on and at that point I probably would walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I, I would. I would love to see that, but then I would feel like there'd be no way I could share that experience no, with anybody. You couldn't. You, I, I could not share. <laughs> I wouldn't share that with anyone. Well, because how easily can you be labeled as crazy? Well, from zero to one hundred miles an hour, you be labeled as by most of the community, except mm-hmm. for the quote unquote woo crowd. It's such a four letter word now, even though it's three letters. Um, <laughs> Too many people, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's how do you even tell that story and not just lose all credibility to to your peers? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's. But here's the thing about that: I've never heard a sighting report from a quote unquote woo person that I thought sounded believable or started the. Now, Mark is going to disagree with me on this because Mark likes <laughs> Mark loves the the Stan Gordon stuff, but like I've never. I personally have never read, heard, seen a, one of these stories where I was like, "Oh yeah, totally believable." Like that part, that that witness is one hundred percent believable. So is that because there's too much added, like extra goodies in there, or why? I, is that? I, I honestly think it's more of like a gut thing. Which again, Mark is going to want to throttle me here because we've talked <laughs> about how stupid that idea is. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I've never. I just have not seen a report where I where I either. Okay, here's the thing. It isn't necessarily that I don't believe them. It's that there hasn't been a sighting report that was like this, where like someone saw a portal or something, mm-hmm. where I couldn't concoct an alternate explanation for it that was completely believable for mm-hmm. why this happened. Like the Chestnut Ridge stuff is really fascinating to me, but I also consider that area to be full of meth 
and and moonshine (laughs) and and it's true like and i'm not saying again like this this stuff gets you can start to sound like you're attacking these people and that's not at all what i'm doing i'm just saying for my own when i'm looking into this i'm going to approach all of this very objectively and i i can typically come up with an alternate explanation for for a lot of this stuff um mark (laughs) (laughs) Wait, well, how did this turn into Shannon interviewing yeah. us? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing. I, without even talking about the plausibility of what the people are are seeing, I come at it from just a little different angle, and I guess it's, you know, the the nature of my investigation has always been reading, of course, and the the guys that I really pay attention to. They're not all guys, but um, Stan Gordon being one, Linda Godfrey being another, um, Tom Powell, I, I, probably a Powellite, uh, and a lot of the things that he writes I, I resonate with too. And those type of authors, each one of them seems to be moving in a direction of, you know, there's there's the parts of the reports that all the Bigfoot people can agree on, which is a big hairy something was cited, but then nine times out of ten, there's more weird stuff that happened as a part of that report that doesn't get out, doesn't see the light of day, because it doesn't match the flesh and blood uh, hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, you know, and there's, they're not saying... Therefore, it all has a supernatural uh, origin, but they are saying that that's the inconvenience of so many of these sightings is that it's not just this isolated creature running across the road, but there's some other element attached to that that does seem fantastic. And it does seem to, you know, it stretches all bounds of credulity, admittedly. Maybe... Maybe some of these Sasquatch, their punishment is that they are flesh and blood on this planet. And uh, the rest of them that are on good standing with their planet or uh, other fellows, they can pop in and out as they please. Maybe that's oh, where we're at. The Big Fatopia. That's yeah. the name of the planet. Um, yeah. Well, speak to this, Shannon, because you're asking us about it. But hop in because I want to know. Uh, I mean, to what specific part? Because it's such a, it's such a rabbit hole. I want to know. Let's let's head down the rabbit hole. Well, okay. So in Washington, when I went to the Brown property, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've spoken about this on Sasquatch, but I've spoken about it on Sasquatch Chronicles, obviously. Uh, That's who I was up there with. But when we were out, quote unquote, Bigfooting, we saw a light in the forest. And if you read the quote-unquote woo accounts, that is something that is frequently happening. You see a light, and then you see Bigfoot, or you see a Bigfoot, and, or hear one, and then you see a light. Well, we had an instance the first night. We walk out, and we're walking through the pasture. We walk a few miles. We head into a massive abandoned barn uh it's got an intact roof but the walls from floor to ceiling are not intact so you can see out into the forest and and around you and it's about three or four in the morning and it's pouring rain it's quite cold it's in the high 30s or low 40s tops and we hear something hit there's a um, a building next to us and it is covered with tin or metal something hits that building bam 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 very loud you could hear it over the rain and we we stay inside we're kind of wondering what's going on is somebody messing with us punking us right like you mentioned before we look it was andy right he's he's always down for this stuff (laughs) yeah we we look out and like i said the the walls are not intact so we look out across from inside the barn, 
and there's a small dip of a ravine and then woods and then the brown property. And we see a light. And to me, it looked like a blue light um, on later poking and prodding to another person that looked like a yellow light to another person that looked like a red light. Anyway, to me, that's what it looked like. And we walk across the barn. It's still across the forest, I would say, maybe six to eight feet up. And the best I could tell when we noticed it, it seemed to notice us noticing it. So it, it subsequently dove down towards the ground. That's exactly what happened. There were six people that saw the very same thing. Whether they saw the same color or not, that's another story. We had a man that had a thermal, a FLIR thermal, a very expensive piece of equipment, as everybody knows. And he is therming the area, if you will. We picked up nothing. There was not a, a person, from what we could tell. Why they would be out in that kind of weather at that time of night, I don't know. Yes, it was an area that had other people in it, so I can't discount that. Do I think it was a person? Yes, I do. Do I think they were very strange for being out there? Absolutely. I don't know what hit the the building because we also went out very soon after to see what had hit the the next building next door to us, and we couldn't find that out either. So, um have I had some interesting experiences? Yes, but I can't say either one was paranormal or Sasquatch because at the end of the day, I didn't see what did it. So at the, all I can say is it happened. Could it be a person? Yes. Yes, it could. In each and every aspect it could. Was the whistle and salt fork very striking? And to me, that was the one of the coolest things that I've ever had happen to me. Um, when, when I'm looking for Sasquatch, but I didn't see what did it. So I can't, I can't peg that. That still could have been a person. I don't know how, but I guess it could have been. Back to that whistle. How far away? Like from you? Oh, it was so close. It was 15 to 20 feet tops. Wow. Yeah. It, I don't know how, if it was a person, like I said, they got through the thorny nightmarish underbrush that is salt fork because, where they were, everything around there for um, at least 30 to 40 feet in a diameter was that nasty thorny underbrush. So I don't know how they got through that without making a noise. Did, I have no idea. When you were here, did you get to go to CVMP and do any big footing? Yes. Did you? I, I, yes. I love CVMP. And in fact, I still post to this day an example picture. Mm-hmm. We brought up the blob squatches earlier, and there's a picture that I took behind me. Mm-hmm. I was doing the old, I don't know who does this, one of the, somebody on Facebook does this, they, that's their whole MO, is they take pictures behind them, and they're like, the whole thing is, well, of course they're not going to be there when you turn around and take a picture, you got to take a picture behind you, they'll be peeking at you. Well, I did that, and it, I call it the teddy bear on the path, because it looks like a teddy bear behind me. Well, guess what? You know, I post it on Facebook. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's a Sasquatch behind you. Don't you see it? And I'm like, it's an Ewok. Yeah. I'm like, it literally, that is 100% what it looks like. Uh, And yeah, it looks like an Ewok, a teddy bear. And they're like, oh, well, wait, there's another one right next to it. I'm like, guys, come on. No, there was nothing there that day. Uh, I'm sorry, there just, there wasn't. It was a bright sunny day. I had no strange feelings. I heard nothing. Is it possible? I guess. But um, I, I just post that an, as an example. And that was CVMP. I did that. I don't remember what loop that was. It was one of the loops there. But uh, I like CVMP. I've never had any odd experiences there. I know that you go there a lot, though. Have you had... Well, Anything I, recently? I haven't gone in there. This this past year, I bottomed out. I barely got in there because we the the summer was so busy because of Minerva coming out, mm-hmm. um, and then doing Whitehall and starting to get all that together. I went down there maybe what like three weeks ago. I took my nephew, but I mean it was broad daylight and you know all the yeah. all the tree canopies down. I, you know, like when it comes to CVNP. It's hard to imagine that they live 
if these things exist, that they would live inside the park? Because the park is unusual for a national park because there's like all these well-traveled roads that dot the, you know, the landscape Mm -hmm. and there's, there's, uh, there's towns, there's homes, there's people living inside the park. It's really like an unusual national park. But if you go over by the, uh, Oak, what is it? Oak Hill, Oak Head. What is it? It's Oak Hill, I think. Um, trailhead uh now over there there's private property and the people that live back along that private property see stuff all the time from what i've been told so if they're anywhere inside the park and living um, that's my guess as to where they would be is inside this private property where there's uh, quite a few acres of like untraveled uh terrain and you know there's it's private so there aren't people back there but that oak hill is also the only other spot in the park where we had something really um, unusual happen, which was like a tree. Basically, it sounded like a tree knock. I was out there one night late with Nathan. Um, we got permission. I met a I met a uh, park ranger. I think I've talked about this on the show, though. Mm-hmm. Am I reiterating? So, yeah. I had a park ranger. Nathan and I went in there after dark with permission from them and thought we heard a tree knock is basically what it amounts to. So... And it, but did you knock on a tree and you got that as a response? We had done knocks earlier in the night, and um, uh, we were just—I think at that point we were just sitting there, and we just heard what very clearly sounded like a tree knock. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that throws me about that is that uh, frogs can make a, a loud noise uh, that sounds like a tree knock. I have heard that in Texas. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, and um, when you hear it, uh, I'd never would have thought that. But um, later I was looking online and I, I heard one of these noises and I was like, you know what? That could very well be what we heard. Right. Because um, we never heard, you know, we didn't hear footsteps or anything. Um, but I tell you, man, you want something creepy. Walk a mile into the woods where some girl's mutilated body. Went, yeah. Uh, what three years ago which is that oak hill trailhead there's there was like a girl's body was found yeah right off the trail where we were uh we had hiked a mile in and we're just sitting at the pond maybe 300 yards from where her body had been found so that was pretty that was one of the creepiest nights not that anything super squatchy happened but just just because of where we were i think yeah, I was there inadvertently when they were still searching for her. And when I go up by myself, I'll I'll carry. Uh, Ohio was an open carry state, so I had my my gun on me, and it was it was out. Obviously, I don't have a CCW, uh, highly illegal. Mm-hmm. And I ran into the park ranger or one of them, and she's like, "Oh, are you here for the search?" And I was like, "Oh, no, I'm sorry. What search?" And she goes, "Oh, well, if you want to be part of the search," and she handed me a flyer. You just need to unarm yourself and then you can be part of the official search for her so that was really uh sad to learn about that whole thing that is one odd thing about that park is people go dead in that park once a year it seems like there's right around the same time every year one one goes missing so we had that that girl turn up dead the one year the next year there was another girl that turned up dead last year or this past year there was a guy that supposedly committed suicide off a bridal trail um, speaking of CVNP, we were there when at the funny Bigfoot Town Hall meeting when they were talking. The gentleman stood up and he told the story of off of one of the railroad tracks. They heard the scream and yeah. they were all chased out of the area. It was the loudest thing they ever heard. That is one uh, of my favorite Ohio Bigfoot stories. Yeah, it's a good he, one. Yeah, it's a really cool story. And he's he's he still seems affected by it i don't get the impression that he's just making it up right um but it's funny you'd say that because when i took my nephew in i took him right by that spot where they were walking and um brandon and i last year actually parked kind of over there and then walked to that spot and it is i mean you could see how late at night that would be a super creepy area because it's back on these railroad tracks and on both sides is swamp so there's nowhere for you to go um, you're either going into the swamp or you're going to run down the railroad tracks. Yeah, and good luck not tripping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this thing was paralleling them in the swamp, from what he said. So that's yeah, one of my favorite story. stories. Yeah, I miss um, Ohio in a lot of ways. Yeah, you got to get back up here this year. Yes, I Nerd do. Monster Day. September. I know. I must. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so we got to wrap up. Um, Shannon, where can people find you online to keep up with you? 
Uh, best place for the show is IntoTheFrayRadio.com, but I am also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, what is your, what's your, what's your Instagram? Uh, at Shin LeGrow and Twitter, I have two different ones. I have ITF underscore radio and at Shannon LeGrow and of course Shannon LeGrow on Facebook. Cool. Cool. All right. And Shannon does Into the Fray with Ryan Sprague and Sam Sheeran, who are two awesome dudes. So uh, make sure you listen to her show because she does a one of the most professional podcasts out there, actually. So Thank you, sir. Make sure you check it out. Shannon, thanks so much for for coming on with us. Mark, anything to say in closing about Shannon or to Shannon? I was just... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Man, that's a lot to digest. (laughs) You are missed in Ohio, Shannon. Thank you so much. And Mark, you know what I'm going to say is hug Andy for me. I'll do that. Thank you. You got it. 